Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have not the one, not the two, but the three-time SDR of the year over at Demand Base, now a mid-market AE, and one of the best prospectors we've ever met, Vin Matano. Nick, why should people listen? Well... I like booking meetings on the phone and this guy's sort of the inverse. He's got such good tactics around booking meetings on email. This was one of those shows where I came away and I was like, this guy knows how to prospect. It was a really good one. Three, two, one, such good tactics. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's show is sponsored by Calendly. If you're interested in accelerating your sales cycle, improving your prospects' experience, and booking more demos, there's one scheduling automation platform on the market that does all three. Calendly offers team-based scheduling, solutions and integrations for every department, and lead routing to instantly book qualified meetings from your website and match known leads to reps based on real-time Salesforce assignment. I find it really helpful when I have to book meetings with multiple people on my side so that I don't have to coordinate everyone's calendars. Get started today by checking out the show notes or Calendly.com. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. All right, Vin, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. My top three takeaways are using the prospecting checklist, multi-channel prospecting, and creating internal champions. So I'll break it down. Prospecting checklist is something that I used, kind of created when I first started off prospecting. I found there was like three main things that I was always using within all my emails. Um, And I was seeing a lot of opens, a lot of replies. And what that was, was the first thing I was looking for was uh, a personal, right? That's the first category. Personal is something that you're using that you're going to use reaching out to the individual, right? So you're going to spend time on their LinkedIn. You can Google search your prospect's name, try to find stuff that'll actually, one, align to why you're reaching out and two, just really just to grab their attention. The other thing I would look for is personalizing it based off the company. So by spending time on the company website or the company LinkedIn page, you can find a lot of relevant things that are coming out in terms of news, whether it's a you know product release, 
funding, uh, or even a web redesign, right? Those are things that I'll look for typically. And the last thing I'll look for is I'll go in my CRM. I think the CRM is a place where there's tons and tons of great data, and we may often overlook that. So I'll look for you know recent closed lost opportunities or just recent conversations, just so I can tie that into the conversation. So that's what I'm really using to formulate all my emails. And in 2020, I had a 77% open rate and an 18.6% reply rate. Jeez, better than me. What's number two? Number two is multi-channel prospecting. So, you know, as you guys know, it's extremely hard to just focus on one channel. You know, if you're leveraging just email or just, you know, phone like Nick's doing, you really have to use different channels. So typically what people are doing is they're using email, voicemail, and an in-mail. I think that's what most organizations are doing. I think Topo reported about 80% of high growth companies are doing this. Uh, for me, I like to actually leverage uh, Twitter. Uh, I sell to marketers and marketers are often really, really active on Twitter. For me, it's a place where I can find a balance of both personal and professional things that I can use in my outreach. Um, it's also another channel for me to reach out towards. So when I use my prospecting checklist to actually formulate my emails, I'll actually go to Twitter and reach out to them directly. One, to get my name across to them. And two, really just to get them to open my email. Oftentimes, I'll often create a video and just send it to them over Twitter. There's less noise. They're probably going to click it because they're not really getting that many people tweeting at them. And for me, it's highly effective. All right, then route us out. What's number three? The last is creating internal champions. I'm pretty sure I learned this from your show, so I'm not even, I'll give you guys credit here. But really, this is helping me get more multi-threaded in my deals. I think I learned this from you guys. Reply alts after demos or discos but then actually create separate threads, which each, each individual stakeholder, I use Gong to reference a specific quote that that individual said and want to make sure that they got their questions answered and then send them resources that would apply to what they had asked. Um, I'll, I'll leave a call to action, trying to get one-on-one -on -one time with everybody within the buying committee. And again, that helps me get internal champions and that helps the deals actually accelerate faster. Boom. And there we got the three. And I know you got a bunch of tactics around territory carving, which probably leads into how you're tailoring your emails. So could you talk a little bit about what accounts get what level of tailoring or attention from you? Yeah. So for me, how I'm doing that is um, demand base actually helps kind of rank and score these accounts. But on my own, what I'm doing is I'm looking for a technology stack. Do they have marketing automation? That's something that's important. Are they on Salesforce? That's important for me as I'm selling. How large is their marketing team? That's something that I'm looking for. Are they going to be able to leverage a tool like Demandbase? And lastly, have we chatted with them before? I want to know if there's recent closed lost opportunities or not, because that's going to tell me a lot of good information. Have they looked into us in the past? If it was closed lost, why did it close lost? Was it timing? Was it budget? This is all information that I need to rank and score my accounts. So when I'm looking to personalize, I know which accounts that need to get more love versus maybe more templated messaging. There we go. And then once you've gotten them tiered out, give me a general sense. Like I've seen some people where it's like, yeah, I got 300 accounts, 250 are A tiers, right? And so like my guess is you have like a nice mix there. Like what, what's a good mix of like your A's, B's, and C's? For me, I think uh, at Demandbase, we break it up, but we have an AE top 30. So those are like my 30 top accounts, right? I may have a few hundred that's in my name, quote unquote. And then from there, we'll, we'll choose a top five. From there, you know, we'll have a lot of accounts that are outstanding. We may have like 20 accounts that are in this like tier one, tier two, tier three, outside of the AE top 30. So that's how we're going, thinking about it. Um, bonus points, if you guys can leverage anything like intent data or web activity, that'll help you guys get a more good understanding of like, where are they at in their buyer's journey? Which, which helps, you know, when, when should I reach out to these accounts? Then one of the things I'm curious about is like the past activity and the past history that you've had with accounts, because I've certainly used, oh, you talked to someone at my company three years ago as a ledge to start a conversation. Can you talk about what sort of past activity you're looking for and then how you use that to break into account? 
prospects that you haven't talked to before? Sure. Yeah. So I'm looking automatically at uh, past opportunities and I'm hopefully, you know, the previous AE actually put some notes in there so I can go look in there, actually grab some things that they talked about. So for example, if I'm reaching out to a closed loss account and the individuals in there that, that they spoke with, I'll reach back out to them and say like, you know, Hey, Stacy, I saw you chatted with my colleague, Matt, back in 2020, you guys talked about X, Y, and Z curious to see how things progressed. And then I'll go into kind of like that pitch and the call to action, so, so to speak. Um, it, it's pretty light. It's a soft touch. It's really easy to, to create. It doesn't take a lot of time and it's highly effective. It's probably one of my most um, uh, highest percentage in terms of open rates for my, my, uh, my templates. Well, one thing we used to just wreak havoc on when I was at Carta is if you're on outreach or sales loft, all of your prospect messages should be coming into Salesforce. And so what you're able to do is if you look at your Salesforce activity logs for every account, you can just look at every email that's been sent inbound from the prospect. And so quickly by skimming every single response that a prospect has ever given you, you can immediately say, oh, this person told me to F off and call back in six months. And now you can say, hey, you asked me to call back in six months and now I'm here. And so the gold is in the CRM because that's what they exactly what they asked you to do. There's so much good stuff in the CRM and, and, and reps often just forget to look there. Just like you said, one thing I'll do is filter by inbound emails in my CRM um, and actually grab pieces of their conversation, literally copy and paste whatever they said into my email. That way I'm speaking their language. I'm, I, I can't get it wrong there. Um, and then again, I'm tying back, you know, why, why now is a better time to reach back out? Well, can we talk about that quote thing? Because you talked about that also with the multi-threading piece. You're like taking a specific quote from the gong recording. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, for example, if, you know, I've, I'm doing a demo and maybe a prospect asks like, hey, you know, I just have some questions about your advertising solution, a really specific question. I'll literally copy that from the transcript or just copy it, you know, type it out, paste it in there, say, hey, I know you had a question specifically about our advertising solution and what kind of publishing networks we use. I want to make sure we answer your question. Then I attach the resources that would answer that question and then try to ask, you know, my call to action would be trying to get some time one-on-one to actually talk specifically about advertising. So my goal really is to get one-on-ones with, with everybody in the buying committee. So you've got this top 30 and then you've got your top five. Like what, what kind of gold plated emails are you sending to your top five? Like what, what luxury treatment are you giving those folks versus your other standard A tier accounts? So when I work with my SDR, those, the AE top five, like the rule is we're not allowed to send templates to them. Like that's just my rule that I created. We're not allowed to send any templated messaging to an AE top five account. So for me, I'm using my checklist to personalize every single email I'm sending out. And I'm also carrying that through different channels. So I'm not just going to send an email. I'm going to follow up via Twitter. I'll create a, you guys can go on my Twitter and check out the videos I've done. Like you literally can copy them. I'll go on Twitter, you know, call out the email that I sent. Usually I'm, I'm referencing something very personalized and there is often a reason why I'm reaching out, send them that via Twitter. I won't ask for the meeting over Twitter. I'm just, my goal is to get them redirected back to my email because I'm confident in, in the email that I wrote that they're probably going to answer there. So being very multi-channeled and not using any sort of templating at all. One thing I always get torn up on is, I don't know, how, how big is your book of accounts, for example? I mean, there's about, there's like probably 300 accounts in my name, um, but really we're focused more or less on like, the, you know, my, my top accounts really. Right. And so you can blast through 300 accounts in a month pretty effectively, right? 50 accounts a week, give or take. Um, you shouldn't do that. You should be more careful about it. But even over two months, you'll be able to work all of them. So what do you do when you've gone through your cadence, you've reached out to them three or four times? Do you have a process for reaching back out in a month, two months, recycling them? Like How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So that's a good question. 
I'm on the fence where I'm, I'm, my volume is very, very low because the quality that I'm putting out is very high. So, you know, I will never get through 300 accounts in a week or even a few weeks to be quite honest with you. So for me, you know, I'm taking my time writing these emails, um, reaching out to these accounts. I'll get to a point where maybe I reached out four or five times and then I'll recycle those accounts. For me, what I would do if, if I sent a really great email, if for whatever reason they didn't open it, I'll literally copy and paste that same exact email with a new subject line later on. So I'm reusing some of the stuff that didn't get opened. I'm not letting that go to waste. Like I spent time writing that. It's a good email. And for me, I'm, I'm breaking it up with my SDR. I'm saying, hey, you know, you take these maybe lower ranked accounts. They can do a little bit more volume than I can, where me, I'm focusing solely on my top accounts and I'm personalizing pretty much everything that I'm sending. That's so smart. If they don't open the email, like you do all this work to put together a really good email. And then I screw this up all the time. I'm like, oh, didn't get a reply. Guess I got to start start from scratch. But if they never opened it, you're right. You should just reuse it with a different subject line. Yeah, test it out. It's probably your subject line that's not good. Can you talk a little bit about some of your prospecting emails? Because I know I'm a big cold call guy and I don't use email as much. I sprinkle it in there. And you're sort of the inverse. You were telling me earlier that like email is the number one way that you're booking meetings. So can you talk about your email approach? I literally, I'm just, I, I rarely cold call. For me, email is highly effective. So I double down on it. For me, I start off every, you know, every email the same. I, again, I'm going, I'm, I'm looking at something on their profile, my, on my prospect's profile. I'm Google searching their name. Uh, there's this website, I think it's called Owltail that I actually, you can use, you can plug in your prospect's name and it'll surface all the podcasts that they're recently featured on. So if they're one of your target accounts and you, and you need to get a meeting with them, that's a platform that I would use to try to find a podcast they're featured on. Reference that podcast. Typically, if they're on, you know, for me, if they're on a marketing podcast, typically they're talking about marketing stuff that demand base can help with. So I just literally, again, I use the quotes of whatever they're saying in that podcast right in my email. That's a highly effective email. So I try to get my emails to fit about three, par- you know, three lines, three paragraphs long. Sometimes they go longer, sometimes they go shorter. My opening sentence, if I'm using a podcast, said, "Hey, I just was listened to the podcast you recently featured on. Just open it right away. You want you want your first sentence. You don't want to waste any time. You don't want to say, "Hey, prospect, hope you're having a great day. Hey, you're you know was looking at LinkedIn. No, just say, "Hey, just listen to your podcast. Name the podcast, link it, so they know what you're talking about. Hey, I noticed you mentioned X, Y, and Z about marketing. Here's how demand base can help. Reference something that maybe a past conversation in the CRM on the bottom, the last third line paragraph, and then my call to action. I got this from Josh Braun." Either way, love the podcast episode. So one, one, you know, if they say no, you made a really good impression on them. Chances are we you reach back out later on. If timing is better, you'll have a better chance of getting that meeting. So what do you do when they reject you and they say, hey, thanks for your email, not interested? What's your approach? Because you, you only have 300 or so accounts. Like you're going to get a bunch of not interested. To Armand's point earlier, like what do you do to make sure that that account isn't dead in perpetuity? Yeah, so if they give me something like timing, I'll often say to avoid playing cat and mouse, when's a better time to reach back out? Typically, they'll give me a reason why in a, in a time point there. Then what we'll do is from there, I'll often kind of offer up some, some kind of free services that like demand base can offer for us. We can kind of give some uh, data into their site traffic. That's something that I'll try to push in the meantime. So, hey, completely understand you guys aren't ready to look into a technology right now. If it would be helpful, and I use that as my line all the time. Happy to offer some you know, ways we can de-anonymize your site traffic now. That way, when you're ready to think about a technology, you have all the data sets in place to plan that out. That sometimes helps me get in front of them well before they're, they really need to even talk about technology. But that's usually my go-to. In terms of the people you're working in the organization, because you have to be really tailored and make your territory last for a long time, are you hitting everybody from above the line to below the line? Are you carving out certain teams? How do you approach the people on an account? 
Yeah, typically, if my SDR and I, when we're thinking about our top accounts, typically I'll go for more of the higher, you know, director and above. However, sometimes my top, you know, eight top five accounts, I'm reaching out to everybody from the account. If I sell into marketing, I'm reaching out to all the marketers from that from that top account because for me, I don't care who I talk to from that account. I just want to get my foot in the door with my AE top five accounts. And you mentioned that you're recycling your accounts once you're done reaching out. What what does that mean? Is that is that literally just like the changing of the subject line process? Do you have marketing sending emails to them, or like how do you effectively recycle something so you don't just blast them again? Yeah, so I'm never blasting my accounts. So what I'm doing is if I'm getting you know if I'm hitting like four or five touches and, and nothing, I'll just pause. I'll reach out. To, I'll start reaching out to my other accounts, and then in a month or so, I'll, I'll start that cycle back up again. And again, if there's if I have emails that are really good and there's zero opens, I'm going to reuse those emails and change the subject lines. Or I may use those same messaging in different channels. I may reach out via LinkedIn, or may reach out if all need be over the phone. I love what you're doing with like the listening to the podcast and the Twitter reach outs, and like you're clearly doing a ton of research before you're prospecting. And I'm wondering if you can you can walk me through how you structured your time because it's really easy for me to get sucked down a rabbit hole where I'm trying to research my prospect Armand, and and now I've listened to an entire season of Thirty Minutes to Presidents Club, and I haven't actually sent the email yet. Yeah, that could happen. Um, yeah, I often try to look for episodes that have show notes because then I can just command F. For me. We sell a, a platform that helps with account-based marketing. So whenever a marketer is talking, I'll just command F in the show notes for account-based marketing or ABM. Usually I'll find a nugget there. I don't actually have to listen to the whole episode. But now as an AE, I'm juggling my current deals that I am working versus, versus prospecting, right? I, I still want to make sure I'm prospecting every day. A minimum, I try to carve out an hour each day to prospect. And that's actual time I'm putting on my calendar, an entire block. So for me, I'm, I'm doing some prep work before my calls, my discos and my demos. And then when I have time, I'm blocking actual time blocks for prospecting. And I'm letting my, my SDR know when I'm actually prospecting. So that way, you know, we can piggyback off each other or I can actually, you know, let him know and we can kind of tag team accounts. Can you talk about the collaboration with your SDR a little bit more? You mentioned a couple of times, sometimes you're dividing up an individual account into different prospects. And then other times you're saying you go after these accounts and I go after these ones. How do you work with your SDR effectively? We work extremely close. Um, the funny thing about uh, prospecting, as you guys know, is you know you can write a great email or you can have a, a great cold call. For whatever reason, you just didn't get through. Someone else can come in two months later and territories change and they just send a generic email and they get through. It's because the name is switching. So we try to switch the switch our outreach as much as we can. I'll reach out to an account. He'll reach out to an account. And what we're doing is we're meeting every Monday morning. We're planning out our our week. For us, we're picking 10 accounts each that we want to reach out to that week. Um, and for me, I'm focusing more on the top accounts, whereas my SDR, we're focusing maybe on the you know mid-tier accounts. And then he can also use some things like you know templates to the lower-tiered accounts if he needs some more touches. How we're breaking up accounts is I'm typically focusing on director and above. If we're focusing on one account each, there's maybe there's one account that we're seeing a lot of intense signals from. In previous notes, they said, hey, reach back out in Q2, and it's Q2 right now. And we need to just like go full volume onto this account. We'll divide and conquer. We'll actually say, hey, I'll be like, hey, you reach out to everyone director and below. I'll reach out to everyone director and above. Oftentimes, he'll actually maybe reach out to an account and CC me and I'll come over the top. Sometimes that double touch actually was, was helps get the response. Can you talk a little bit about the intent data and how that's informing your prospecting? Because when you say that, it makes me think of my first ever SDR job where I didn't know that existed and nobody else at the company except for one SDR knew that like you could look at when people were on your website and he was booking meeting after meeting after meeting. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy doing? And I look over at his computer one day and he's like scrolling through part odd. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah. So intent, intent data is kind of a vague term. There's many definitions of intent. 
for us, we think about intent, uh, keyword focus. So, you know, one of the things that demand base does not to plug demand base is we can look at which keywords are being researched throughout the web from our target accounts. So you can think about account-based marketing platform as a, as a keyword or maybe a competitor name, um, or you can look at web activity, right? What, you know, what, what product pages are they on? If for us, if uh, one of my target accounts came to our, you know, advertising related product pages, or they came to our advertising related blog posts, well, I'm going to reach out with advertising related messaging. People aren't filling out forms anymore. So if we can see a web activity from the account level, we can then reach out proactively and not have to wait for them to come to us. So let's take a step in, in another direction. You talk about the, the scaling, right? And a lot of times people just get caught in the weeds one by one, account by account, and just slogging your way through things. Could you talk about how you scale your outreach effectively without like slogging through the weeds? Yeah. So I get like, I literally get this question on probably every podcast because I talk a lot about how I personalize emails and everyone always asks, well, how do you scale that? And the answer is you're not supposed to scale that, right? So when you look at that tiering model in place that you have, whether you're looking at revenue range, whether you're looking at, you know, technographics, whatever you care about, for me, I'm, I'm only taking time to do that to my top accounts. Whereas the bottom accounts, I'm not, I'm not personalizing at all. I'm maybe sending templates. I'm having my SDR reach out to them. So you're really not supposed to scale that. However, when you start to kind of get that system in place, for me, I'm using the checklist. I know three things to look for to send every single email. That helps me get them out quicker. So when I talk about scaling, for me, it's still not about like, you know, mass volume, but it's about, okay, how can I get this prospecting email out, this personalized email out quicker than normal? And that's what I'm using. And again, a lot of the stuff you can, you can copy and paste. You know, I have a template that's for all my closed lost opportunities that essentially just all that asks me to do is put in the quote for why the, the opportunity closed. So some stuff like that is, is, is quicker ways to get emails out and not have to bang your head against the wall. So could you talk about this a little bit more? Because you mentioned that before you're copying over the same email from before and you're doing all this really good research up front. And it sounded like you had some systems to make sure you don't do the same research again when you're reaching out to an account again. And so are you using anything unique like tags when you know a company falls in a certain bucket or anything at all so that when you're ready to work an account again, you don't have to just restart your entire research process again? Yeah, it's super old school, but I actually have a, I actually use an Excel doc that me and my SDR share. It's very old school, but it, for me, it's super effective because, you know, if I found an article, like for example, if you're, if your company reaching out to is a public company, you can break right into their 10 K and chances are they're going to share their challenges. They're going to share, you know, their marketing objectives. At least that's what I look for. And I'll literally link that in my Excel doc. Um, so when I'm reaching out, I know I'm already referencing that. And chances are I'll use that messaging for so many emails. Hey, I read in your 10K that you guys are really, uh, you're getting competitive headwinds. And I want to share some ways how demand base can help you guys get in front of your competitors. I'll literally use that as my call to action for all my emails because it's tailored. Now my job is to just get them to open it. And that's where the pro, you know, the, some of the prospecting checklist comes into play. Getting them to open the email is key. Once they read that little call to action at the end that I referenced from their 10K, I'm confident I'll get a response. You've referenced a couple of times, like how closely you work with your SDR from the Monday morning meeting you're having to how you guys will tag team these accounts. And I'm curious if you've got any best practices around like the SDR to AE handoff, because I've seen it botched at a lot of companies and I'm wondering if you're doing anything unique. Yeah. I mean, I've been on both sides of the coin, so I've been the SDR and, I've, and now I am the AE. I think the best handoffs um, are actually including the AE whenever the SDR gets a response, including the AE on that email thread. So they see the name, obviously referencing and introducing the AE in the thread prior to the meeting. And for me, I'm trying to send you know resources prior to that first meeting. So again, they know who I am. And the best calls is when the SDR opens it, introduces the AE so it's smooth. And uh, those are the ones that are the probably the smoothest handoffs. 
Okay, so you're sending material in advance of the meeting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's kind of unique. Yeah. So if they had actually, you know, shared some, hey, we're actually interested in X, Y, and Z. We're really, we really want to know about this. We're actually planning for that. I will send them those resources that are very high level just to give them an idea of what they're actually we're going to be talking about today. And I often do that for the demos as well. You know, we have a sales related tool as well that we sell to sales folks. At that point in the sales process, when they bring on their sales folks, I'll send those like preliminary, you know, sales resources. So the sales team understands what, you know, what the heck they're looking at. Um, and then after the call, we have some more like in-depth sales resources that I can send them that now they know what it is. And here's some stuff that would, would kind of aid the demo. Right. And what's kind of cool about that is they have now seen your name and you've corresponded an email. You're not just like the AE who showed up and was like, oh, we, we've got a meeting. Let me ask you the same questions the SDR asked you on the phone call. Like you're kind of piquing their interest in having the meeting. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll often engage with them on, on like LinkedIn or if they're on Twitter. Um, and for me, I, I don't really use LinkedIn to, to book meetings. I'm using it to engage with them. You know, as I mentioned earlier, everything is going through email for me. Like I'm, I'm literally using that as my main channel, but I'm going to LinkedIn. I'm adding them on LinkedIn. I'm commenting on their posts. You know, if they shared a, you know, recent funding on LinkedIn, which like people do, I'll comment congrats on the funding. But then in my email, I'm actually trying to get the meeting. So again, anything I can do to get my, my face in front of them. So when they see an email come from Vin Matano, they know who I am and they recognize my face. Well, what a lot of people do, they screw up is I'm going to try to sell you on the phone. I'm going to try to sell you on LinkedIn. I'm going to try to sell you on email. And it's like, get the hell away from me. I don't want to be like everywhere I go. You're just like creepy on Twitter. You're trying to sell them. But instead, what I find that the best reps do, like I booked a ton of meetings where I'm just like commenting on someone's job change or I'm commenting on a post they made, but then they see the cold email. Right. And so yes, I'm, exactly. I'm letting work be work and I'm letting LinkedIn be LinkedIn, but I'm not harassing you on all fronts, but you know why I'm commenting. It's a little bit more subtle. A absolutely. And you're building that relationship with them. For me, people like people know I'm very active on, on, on social. So they'll ask like, oh, how do you, you know, how do you use LinkedIn to book meetings? And I, and I always say, I never, I never do. I never use LinkedIn to book meetings. I never use Twitter to book meetings. All I'm using them for is to get their attention back to my email that I formulated because I spent so much time on it. Yeah. Same deal for me, man. There's a lot of craze about social selling. I'm a little bit old school in this and like video selling and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. All those things are really great, but 99% of my stuff still comes from phone and email, but that doesn't mean the stuff on LinkedIn and Twitter is helping. It's just indirectly influencing that stuff. Oh, absolutely. I wish there was metrics on that because I, I, I would die. I would, uh, I would die on that hill. Well, man, this has been phenomenal. This has been one of those shows where I'm like, this guy gets it when it comes to prospecting. It's got me excited to get tweeting again. But uh, we're running out of time, so we got to move to the final question. And the final question is this, Finn. We've talked about some really good habits and things people should be incorporating into their sales life. Now we got to talk about a bad habit. So my question for you is, what is one bad habit that you think all salespeople need to break, stop doing because it's hurting them more than it's helping? Uh, relying on their SDR for meetings. That's like the number one thing you can tell if, if, a, if a rep is struggling is because they're relying on their SDR to book meetings. For me, coming from an SDR, and I think most salespeople you know, at this point in time are coming from that SDR position where they have that muscle, they know how to flex it. They're going to be prospecting forward. And if you're relying on your SDR, it's gonna, you're going to be in a really bad position. For me, I try, to, I try to own at least one third of all opportunities, one third of all revenue that I sourced. Um, and for me, that just helps me have a, a strong foundation to build upon. So that's the one thing that I say that reps need to really forget about is stop just relying solely on your SDR for everything. I love it, man. This has been phenomenal. Anything you want to plug before we jump off here? Nothing, man. Just keep listening to 30 Minutes of Presence Club, the best sales podcast out right now. And these guys are the man. 
Well, there you go. Vin won't plug himself, but I will. Go follow this guy on LinkedIn. Connect with him. Try to sell him some leads. Send him a creepy video. It'll <laughs> make his life. But uh, thanks for coming on, and everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device, which means if you're sending a tech stock or a slide deck, the formatting is going to look really ugly and you're going to make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly tech stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to take advantage of the offer. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Vin Matano include number one, you got your AE top 30 and your AE top five. And those are your A tier accounts, no templated messaging on all those folks, but you can recycle the bodies of the email if you change the subject line. Number two, so you've got all of this activity that's coming in through your CRM. Do not just go onto their website and do a research. Look at every inbound email that's come into an account. Take quotes from those emails and use those to send out new cold emails. Number three, recycle that same email that didn't get an open the first time with a new subject line. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time. You can reuse that research. And then lastly, number four, Switch your outreach frequently. Sometimes coming over the top as an AE while your SDR is reaching out on CC is a great thing. Other times, an SDR might reach out to an account that you've reached out to 20 times and they break through because it's a different name. So change patterns frequently. You can break up an account between your directors and above and your directors and below, or you can break up multiple accounts between your AEs and your SDRs. All righty, Nick, how can people help us? Yesterday, I went for a nice bike ride and I listened to a couple episodes of 30 Minutes to President's Club and I thought, dang, that show deserves five stars. So if you haven't rated our show on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to this, if you wouldn't mind giving us five stars, it would warm my heart and soul. And we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.
This actionable tactic on selling to power is sponsored by SalesLoft. Don't start from zero when a champion introduces you to power. Explain the three to four priorities you learn from the champion, but then ask them to validate what's really important to them or what we missed. And we partnered with SalesLoft to give you a whole bunch of talk tracks on selling to power. The link is in the show notes.